listening to City Critters, film reviews with a bite. Welcome to Cine Critters. My name's Simon. And I'm Jordan. And this is a show about movies and we've been talking about doing this show for ages. How long have we been talking about doing this, Jord? Far too long. We finally sat down and we've got it together. Well, just just as we decided to get things moving, COVID-19 started and the world went to shit. But before that, what was the last film we saw before we saw what we saw yesterday? Can you remember? I think it was 1917. I feel like it was. I feel like it was in 1917. It was that long ago we went it to was, the cinema. It was a very long time ago. But today we are talking about the new Nolan movie called Tenet. Well, I think the reason for the name is purely because it's that it works both ways. You know, it's the same backwards as it is forwards. Yeah, I think that's the play on it. Tenet, the film to save uh, to save cinema. Christopher Nolan was like, every film that's getting released on demand, that's not going to be my film. I'm insisting people risk their lives to go and see my movie. I mean, it's a very Nolan outlook of the way of things. He's always been a man who's insisted that we go and watch his films in IMAX. If you're fortunate enough to live near an IMAX cinema, but unfortunately we, we aren't. We've just got our good old local view, screen three. And for the first time in five months, you went to the cinema yesterday. It was a bit weird. It was it was fine, you know. Um, I didn't die yet. <laughs> so we are in that incubation period, you know, like in Aliens, when the facehugger gets you, and then it's like, uh, it's gone and you think, oh, I'm, I'm all right. I'm eating my lunch. I'm fine. And the next thing, you're lying on the table and an alien is bursting through your chest. <laughs> That's the period that I am I feel like I'm in at the moment. It'll be all right. We'll get through it. We've got this far. We have. So <laughs> Tenet starring um, not Denzel Washington, but Denzel Washington's son. Yeah, it's Denzel's son, isn't it? And the name of this guy, the character, because he's such a good character, is the protagonist. He doesn't yeah. actually have a name. Once again, very Nolan touch. Yeah, it's almost as if he was like, what? I can't be arsed coming up with a name. Let's just call yeah. him the protagonist. We know with previous Nolan movies, he is obsessed with time. Time plays a very important factor in most of his movies, apart from... The Dark Knight, when that's just like Batman and a cash cow, but hey, it was good. Um, but if you look at his previous films, like Memento, um, the film plays pretty much backwards, and that's mm. like, I think that's still one of Nolan's best movies. So going in, going into this, yeah, I had done very little research on this film. I knew it was coming out. I love Dunkirk, and. I would, I'm, a, I'm a big Nolan fan, love Inception, I love Interstellar, I love the Dark Knight trilogy. I did very little research with this. I kind of glanced over the trailer, but yesterday I went in pretty much with no idea what to expect. I hadn't watched extended trailers or anything. So I sat down, clean-faced, well, with no idea what I was about to witness. It's interesting. It's a very interesting film. First of all, from here on out, 
there is going to be spoilers because if we don't spoil this movie, this will be the shortest review you've ever heard because you can't <laughs> talk about this movie without talking about what is happening in this movie. And to be honest with you, I think this movie is impossible to spoil. But I know if I was listening to this and I heard someone say, you know, we're going to talk about spoilers, I'd be like, oh, I'm, I'm getting off, bye. <clears throat> but this movie is impossible to spoil because it is so, so complex. Nolan's sort of back catalogue of films, he's always been a director who isn't afraid to take the audience with him without explaining what is going on. Well, when I say explaining, he does a lot of exposition in his films. You know, we've got like Inception, and I still think that is one of Nolan's like best movies. And at the time when that came out, there was a lot of questions, what is Inception? And then it turned out the dream within a dream within a dream. And your head can get into that because they explain it really, like really well. And you can get on board with that. And I feel that movie gets better on uh, repeat viewings. With Tenet, he's clearly mapped this out. And the idea is there that there's this character who is going to be... And even just saying that out loud is confusing me to what I saw yesterday. (laughs) But it's like a time travel movie and, and sort of in a way but it's the time theory where what you what if you go back in time and kill your um your grandfather then you will disappear because you won't be born like it's the it's sort of back to the future type rules with time travel but it just gets a lot more complex so as i say spoilers from this moment out yeah we have Spoiler alert is in full play right now. So anyway, we sit down, usual flood of uninspiring superhero movie trailers, which kind of breathe through. And then we are graced with the lovely syncope, Nolan Studio. Mm-hmm. So that pops up on screen, and I finally realised what we're sitting down to watch. And I'm like, yeah, right, getting into this now. First things first, it's shot with Nolan stunning style it's just the colour palette is lovely the scale of the shots and it's just it gets you straight into it like the action starts with a bang it does start with a bang a very very drawn out bang (laughs) that's what I associate now with Nolan he does like loud sound design and you know we'll get a little bit more into that in, in a bit but we open up in this sort of opera setting this audience and it's like is it kiev opera house it's kiev opera house it's somewhere ridiculous <laughs> yeah and it looks gorgeous and there's like there's this audience in there and you hear this you hear one of my favorite sounds when it's the orchestra like tuning up and it does sound really good yeah. and there's this huge like noise and you're like this is interesting and then there's the loudest bang you've heard and he does this a lot with his films now like the opening um... of dunkirk i remember when i first said the bang and the first gunshot in dunkirk yeah and you're like, like wow that's a gun hammer it was like a hammer hitting like pure steel yeah like right by your ear but i i felt like yesterday's showing i think they bumped the volume up i mean i don't know if they get 
they get a list of rec- like components of how they're meant to show the film, but it felt really loud yesterday. I felt it felt distorted. Maybe it's just because I'm not being in the cinema for so long, but it did feel noisier than usual. Yeah. I thought the sound mix in the actual cinema was quite muddy. It sounded messy like there was characters talking and I was try- I was struggling hearing what they were saying mm. at times. I was like, what are they actually saying? And it mm. wasn't because there was the intense techno music or, or the or the or the soundtrack or the guns. It was there was parts where the dialogue was being spoken. It was like the background noise was a lot louder than what was uh, what was going on. I'm I'm absolutely inclined to agree with you there. I think I think they're in Bombay, yeah. and there was definitely some dialogue in Bombay that just completely breezed through. Also, I feel like Nolan's kind of expected you to just grab this and run with it. Mm. There's no uh, what I find with Tenet is you kind of push through the door, and then that's it. Hold on. Because you, you're going for this, what is it, 150-minute runtime? It didn't feel like that, to be fair. It did not feel like 150 minutes. At, at no point was I bored of that film. No. And I, unlike certain other films that I've seen in the cinema recently. <laughs> mm. So we open up in this opera setting, and there's this like amazing sort of, would you say it's a heist or sort of terrorist attack? type thing that's going on it's not a terrorist attack there's definitely it, it's some kind of planned heist yeah it's it's it, it it's got a very orchestrated in all fairness i there's a lot of parallels i drew a lot of parallels with the opening of the dark knight i was just going to say the same yeah, thing yeah there's he's kind of unfolded this very pinpoint time specific mission obviously in the dark knight it was the school bus and the Joker reveal, mm. and the bank—it's the bank heist. Whereas this felt like, obviously, the guys coming in. There was the whole swapping of badges and stuff. It all felt very like dark and undercover and very espionage, mm-hmm. if that's even a word, espionage. But it—it—it it, it, it screams similarity at the start of the Dark Knight and the, the tension building and stuff like that. And yeah, yeah it, it screamed that to me. But it's it. It's a tried and tested formula. It opens a film spectacularly. We see the first time reversal hint with a bullet, and you're like, "Whoa, what was that? That that thing appeared, and then just like, re- like this, like it's so this time reversal shit is so hard <laughs> to get your head round. They can explain it till the cows come home, and they tried to. We, there's a scene a bit later on where we have this lady, and she's like, "Well, there's a bullet there. There's two bullets there." One's in verse and the other isn't. And she's like, pick it up. And then he puts his hand out. And then she's like, no, but you have to intend that you're picking up. And it jumps into his hand. I'm like, oh, this is this this is really this is really confusing. Um, there's a there's a lot there's a lot of just go with it moments. I find it, it when he he's with with Tenet, he's done a lot. So basically to cast back to the opera scene, we were under the impression that the protagonist is dead at the end of it. After the, well, hang on. So we, after the opera scene, we then, uh, we, we oh, cut it was to all we, set up. He's um, on a railway line then with these yeah, Russians who decide to take his teeth out. And he then decides that that's it. He takes the tablet, but that tablet 
is like a suicide tablet. He's he's being held hostage and yeah. he takes this tablet and then it turns out that was a test to see how far he's willing to go if he would jump in the uh the the, the building that was on fire. And mm. then you're like, right, okay. Very, very James Bondy. Uh oh yeah, it's very, very James Bondy. Yeah. Um however, we then find out that that was a test to get him involved with this organization called Tenet. But in the opera house, there's a guy who stops him from being shot. And that guy has this red loop on his bag. Mm -hmm. Did you get onto that, who that was? Yeah. All right, okay. So um, we're not even like like 10 minutes into this and we're confused already. It's figuring out this time reversal thing is okay spoiler alert if you've seen the i know we said spoilers loads but if you've seen the trailer you'll see a scene where um john david washington the protagonist is fighting this guy like this uh security guy or this s what would you call him like an sas guy what would you call them when like special it wasn't special forces was it it it, it... It's got that special forces vibe about it. It's definitely all black body armor, yeah, gas mask sort of thing. Kind of like a yeah, like an SAS soldier you associate with an SAS soldier. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But well, yeah, it turns out it's him. He's fighting himself, and you're like, what? But that is him backwards. So he, this is sounding nuts already. But basically, he. Is uh, having to. Why is he? Why is he having to stop him doing something though? Oh, do you know what? I need to. I think I need to go to see this again because when I, I think you need a breather. Just have a breather. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. When I when I walked out the cinema, I felt a little bit underwhelmed because I was really confused by the whole thing. Like n- it, there was never a ah, I never like a gotcha type moment. I walked away with it going. The concept's really simple. It, it's the concept is of Tenet is really simple. Mm. It's just there's a few tiny little connections that he's missed. So if you went to rewatch it again now, there are points throughout the film which are all reveals, and he makes it. He literally waves the reveals in your face at the end of it. Yeah, but he does it under the guise of to stop World War Three. To stop World War Three. Yeah, that's. I, that's one of my main gripes with the film is I don't really see where World War Three was coming from. They mm. painted it up that it was a, it was a, it was a really bad thing, but it didn't. I don't know. I I didn't really get the overall sense of threat. With the, yeah, that's what I was going to say. There was the 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 stakes were high, but they didn't feel high. Yeah, and it, you know they called the, instead of calling it a bomb, which would have been the most easiest thing to do, they called it an algorithm. And this algorithm yeah. is like in in nine parts. And the Kenneth Branagh character who played who well, basically played... let's just let's uh, let's just stop you there for, for first. Hmm. They they built this character up, so we were anyway we we kind of go from scientist in a room telling us about inverted objects and time control and then all of a sudden we're sent on a wild goose chase for a painting we're introduced to an anglo-russian family and he's we're led to believe that he's this oligarch yachts rich life bit of a crime syndicate boss arms dealer naughty boy all-around naughty boy and his wife is very beautiful 
English lady who he controls her mm. quite domestically. About half his age. Yeah, it, it's a bit of a domestic violent sort of situation. It's very, very uncomfortable to watch. And um, we kind of travel down this path following Let's All Find the Missing Painting. And the the time aspect of it isn't spoken about a lot during that scene. We do a lot of James Bond-style location hopping and mm. lots of pretty vistas and wide shots. And it's all very beautiful to look at, but there's actually not much story being told, I found. I, I thought the bit with the painting, okay, mm. that he was using that painting to hold her to ransom. And it was basically, if you ever do anything, then this painting is going to send you to jail and you'll never see your son again. And that's why they, I think, had to get rid... This is where it gets confusing, but as the film opens itself up and goes on, we're introduced to more characters. Neil, played by Robert Patterson, who, after seeing this, I'm on board with him being Batman now. He played an action character really well. He's matured a lot since Cedric Diggory. Put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> or what's he? What was he called? Edward. Well, yeah, and I, I've not I've not seen the Twilight movies, unfortunately. <laughs> he reminded me a little bit of Tom Hardy's character in Inception. Yeah, kind of just like the he was like cocksure, know it all, travel around the world, Englishman. Becomes a bit of a buddy buddy, like a. You could almost call it a bromance that in the film. He's he's kind of he's seen it all before sort of character, hasn't he? So nothing phases him, which is he's a very interesting character, absolutely. But he actually has seen everything because you know, fast forward to um, to what's going on in the movie. Yeah, let's not, that's, that's, we're not there yet. Okay. <laughs> I know you're still trying to decipher it, but we're not there yet. We kind of have this interlude where we go we go bungee hopping we go we, we we have one of the best scenes ever go to oslo we go to denmark yeah oslo we go to vietnam and we have this it's very it's that very sort of keep referring to it, it's that very sort of james bond blink and you'll miss it we're in a different beautiful location where there's lots of wealthy people and I kind of feel that we lose, inverted commas, the protagonist at this point. I feel like he becomes a bit of a caricature and we're just kind of being dragged around as he's being dragged around, I felt. Mm. Because I don't really feel feel like the painting that we're so desperate to find held much substance. I think on repeated viewing, that will make make more sense in how the uh, the story sort of pans out. Because that painting is being held in this... Free port, they're On a free port, yeah. He loves an idea, Nolan, and he's obviously taken a shine to these free ports that seem <laughs> to store... Yeah, stuff. well, it's another another excuse to... Crashing this played. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have come. Yeah. No Bane impressions. I don't mind films that you don't know what's going on until it all clicks... But if it doesn't click, it makes it a very difficult experience. And I know you said it's very simple. And it is sort of simple. But if you just watch it with that point of view of just go with it. Like if you see someone who's going backwards in time, like literally instead of breathing her, they're breathing carbon dioxide because everything is in reverse. And you can see it's as if they are 
uh, they're walking through time and when your head sort of gets that fine but but when you you start to go a little bit further than that and go for example with the bullet okay so if that bullet is on the table and that bullet is now moving through time reversed then why is like why is it on the table now why was it why, why isn't it somewhere like do you know what i mean like why didn't yeah. we see it like move up onto the table? Why didn't we see it? Do you know like things right. like that? The way I took away from it, and why I'm trying to t- say it's simple, what's it called? Temporal pincer or something like that. Something like that. It was, it was like Austin Powers in, in Basil. Uh, you know, remember the character yeah. Basil Exposition? I suggest you don't think about that and just enjoy the movie. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's summed up at the fact that this the final battle sums it up quite well. Um, it, it basically, it's just trying to explain the fact that there's three constant timelines. So there's the past, the present, and the future, mm. and it all bridges into each other. That's what Tenet is. At the end of the day, that's what it's trying to explain is things have happened, and as soon as you learn how to figure out that things have happened, you can manipulate how things have happened. I got or is that. that like too confusing because well, it was the, the end, like you just said, like that battle. They at one point you said this is an exercise, right? And they had the reds and the blues. And I genuinely thought this is like a test before they go do the main thing. Ah, that, that's where my head was like, oh, I'm going, I'm going on holiday. Yeah, that, I found that really like, where, okay, where was that? Where the hell was that? Where that battle was going on? So that it's, it, that's a very specific sort of place. So in Siberia and lots of, there was basically Russian cities that were designed to test nuclear weapons. Mm. And they were built in the far reaches of Siberia because Russia is the biggest place in the world. And there is just these abandoned cities in Siberia and stuff where there was lots of Soviet workers during the Cold War. And they used these cities and they just tested nuclear weapons. And that's what that place was. It does try and go into the history of it with Mr. Sator. <laughs> he played, do you know what he was? He played a good bad guy. Actually, he was genuinely. I genuinely didn't like him at I all. I just wasn't convinced. Like the first thing I said to you when coming out the cinema was just like Kenneth Branagh. What if you're gonna have big Russian oligarch? Why Kenneth Branagh? It's like you can't just give him a beard. He played you see Captain in Dunkirk. I understand that Nolan's got his his pals. Do you know what I mean? Like. He uses this a lot of the same cast for most of his films. Yeah, but I mean, there was what? yeah, even yeah, Michael Caine was in it, wasn't he? For all of five minutes. And who and he played a character called Sir Michael, which I just thought was hilarious. Oh. Like, not only is Nolan not given the protagonist a name, he's calling now his mates just just call him by his name, and he has to look like a billionaire. Uh, um, uh, uh, the, the protagonist has to look like a billionaire. Yeah, so, so that's where it was very sort of like, yeah, James Bondy. Can I recommend you a tailor? Yeah, that I cringed at that oh, bit. Yeah, it, was it was like, really? Was um, we also have another kitchen scene, which, again, Nolan does seem to like fights or, or brutal stuff going on in everyday locations. And we have, it's such a brutal mm. scene. You're thinking, oh, this, because you don't know that this protagonist is going to be a fighter. And turns out he's pretty tough. In fact, I don't think ever he gets hurt, does he? Like, I don't think um, ever he... Like, he, I didn't ever feel like he was in any he danger. Does, he does get hurt. 
he's just get hurt. We just don't see it because it's already happened and it's happening in reverse. <laughs> yeah, that's that. That's you get true. Get shot in the arm. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Because he's had an inverse bullet is worse than a than a normal bullet. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. but an inverse bullet to me sounds great. It means like it actually, that in theory, an inverse bullet should come out of the body and back into the gun. Yeah, but it's got to rip itself out of its body, out of your body to get out. But then your body would heal. See, this is flawed. The whole thing's flawed. Shit. That's the end of this <laughs> review. <laughs> I didn't mind it as a film. I am very much like you, Sai, that I felt underwhelmed would probably be the word. But I also went in with no expectations because I haven't watched anything about it. I went in and I watched a film and I came out. Now, me and Christopher Nolan, I'd normally be bouncing in my seat with excitement, ready to watch it. With this, yeah, it was flashy, it was good. It wasn't his best at all, by any stretch. A lot of people thought it was going to be a sequel to Inception as well. So I came home from the cinema last night and I watched Inception again, just in the, the spirit of things. Um, well yeah from the word go it is just a stronger film it really is just the stronger Mm. film now did Tenet lack a bit of A-list maybe did it need need a Leo did it need did it need a Bale did it need a McConaughey because I I my personal opinion is John David Washington he didn't. He wasn't strong enough to carry this film, in my opinion, because I felt like he really didn't know where he was as much as we did. He definitely wasn't the strongest character in the film, and that's a worry when the main he's the main role. But Robert Patterson sort of made up for that, and I guess you know now that Robert Patterson is the Batman, he is that A-lister. So this is the type of film then. I think these will both go on. Well, Robert Patterson already already has had a great career, but I think the John David Washington will have a great career, and this yeah. will then turn into what oh, he was in that film. Um, do you know what I mean? But I think because he's so new to the eyes, it's like you know you're not used to him. Maybe a Leo, maybe a Leonardo DiCaprio in this role might have been might have changed it. But I think that isn't. Yeah, he wasn't the strongest of characters, but it wasn't down to him. I think it was just down to how he was written. Yeah, no, I, I get that. But then I also think was the, was the fact he was simply called the protagonist has has Nolan tried to like fourth wall break it a little bit and put him in your eye sort of thing. You know, simply calling him the protagonist. Do we just follow him as the protagonist of this thing and get on with him for the ride? Or am I overthinking that? Because <laughs> I just felt a lot of the time he was just a bit of a yes and no guy. And mm. we were just following him on this journey of just say, like, go here, do this, do that. Yeah. I mean, some of the set pieces were spectacular. The whole playing part, that was spectacular. And I did enjoy this film as it got going. 
Um, so we go to the airport and we find out all about the security at the airport. I enjoyed that. And then we have the first mm-hmm. fight. I'm like, oh, what's this? And where did that guy go? Oh, I don't know. He just disappeared. When that guy, when, um, when Robert Patterson's character said, oh, no, he just went away. I'm like, yeah, I don't believe that. Um, and then... So the airport scene, the airport scene, if we're cutting corners, the airport scene is the first reveal, isn't it? So we see these two clad in black Yes, yes like can't secret, see the faces. Yeah, secret agent guys. Mm. There's a, there's a little subtle Nolan esque hint of going. Please notice this. I'm making it obvious enough. He's chucking him his helmet back and letting him go. They're like a SWAT team. SWAT team. That's it. You've got it. Um, but like, there is that little bit of a. I find Nolan does little winks. It's almost like if your mate was sat next to you, nudging you, going, "Are you keeping up? What's going on?" And I feel like that was the point where we first saw it was in the vault scene. I wonder how much of this film was actually filmed with the actors doing stuff backwards because there was a lot of the film when I felt the movement and not like specific scenes with fighting scenes, but just normal scenes like when the girl's on the boat. Her movement felt weird at times. Like, that's that's reverse. That's playing in reverse. He makes these moments where you have like flashbacks and you go, ah... And, you know, there was one earlier on with the Russian uh, um, Andrei Sator, Kenneth Branagh's evil mastermind type character. You think he's having an affair because this lady is just seen jumping off the boat. Yeah. Like, oh, what's that all about? What, bitch? She's like, he, she's lovely, that girl. And, you know, but that turns out we show that type of, um, we, we, we show these things that you're going, hmm, that's interesting. Mm. And then... Um, and then it all starts to fit. And that's what I like loved about Inception. It becomes a much more enjoyable film when you when things start to click. But if you're not having them click mm. while you're in the cinema, that's why it's got that... Re- it's got to have enough of that film for you to go, I need to see that again. And that's what you said when we walked out, I need to see that again. And I was just like... I, I was like, my brain's still in there. Um, do, you, do you feel, though, on a second viewing, do you feel like you'd sit there and go, right, I just need this to speed up so I can get to the end and I can piece it all together? No, I don't. I think you're going to notice more and more. The, 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 I think he's made a film that demands repeated viewings, and I think you know, you're going to spot things like you know, the, um, the, the, the SWAT guy who's got like that red loop or string, or whatever it is, on um, on his bag, and that mm. turns out to be Neil. I think you'll see that a lot more, and that will make sense, and you'll see him do things, yeah. especially in the opening, because the opening is really powerful. Um, and I think you know you're gonna notice m- like more things, like even with the car chase, you've got a car chase when the, another car appears. Like, what's going on there? And mm. then it turns out when that at one point in the film where they they showing you stuff that is in forwards. And then the other, like, it's the opposite. When you realise that the protagonist is now going to be going back in time and he's going to be literally able to walk through. It's almost as if he's watching a video that's um, that, that to him is being played backwards, but to the world that he's watching and that's being played forwards and he's sort of walking through this. Yeah. And once you got that, I was like, okay, that that makes sense. It's when those two things clash when they're having a fight with each other, like, yeah. how would that work? And that's when your head goes on my holiday. Biggest, yeah, I think my biggest gripe with the film 
was probably that last end section because I, I didn't I didn't feel any dread for the fight. Is that the, what the the big battle? The big battle just seemed like the it war, was just, like the, yeah, the, the bombs like, not going off because because yeah. I knew they were there to retrieve an object. The algorithm. The algorithm. Yeah. There was definitely some kind of evil henchman who would be introduced to. It was kind of the leader of this weird Russian military. But yeah. why would the Russian military help a oligarch who was doing naughty things? Mm. <laughs> Which just seemed really strange. But it was also like every character that we'd grown to like, they whacked this gas mask on them. Now, we all know Nolan likes people to act with their eyes, but... <laughs> It helps if you you're able to see them, yeah. because they, they they had like this perspex screen out for their faces, and it got to a point where you couldn't really recognise the characters. Yeah, and then there was this almost a caricature of a British soldier who was like became their pal. Do you know who that was? <laughs> that was Kickass. No way. That was Aaron Taylor Johnson. That's insane. Yeah. But he was literally like, and I just felt like, I felt like the whole entire last section was a bit of a Call of Duty fan film. There was no real dread to it, and it dragged on a bit, and there was helicopters, and I just felt like... Yeah, no, I get, I agree. I didn't understand who was fighting who. Did you, like, it felt like they were, it felt like they were fighting from this, both teams were fighting for the same thing. But it was just like, I'm going to use this as an excuse to show off some techniques, but he didn't really... I don't think he showed them off well enough. It was just kind of like, here's a building blowing up, mm. but here's a building blowing up in reverse. And the big sort of reveal, or the big the, the, the plot, was that Kenneth Branagh's character, Andre Sator, um, he, as a kid, found this barrel, and in mm. this barrel was these objects from the future with this noting or whatever it was. So he had this information. Mm. And then, ultimately... He the the story came down to well, if I can't have my wife, no one can have my wife, and then so if I die, the whole world dies. Yeah, exactly. And then he was like, so he'd been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and it was like terminal. So he was ready to end the world because if I can't have a life, then no one can have a life, and that was pretty much the um the the plot. It did shoehorn this um. Uh, it was the girl, her name was Kat, played by Elizabeth Debicki. It felt really shoehorned. Like, it felt like we need, like, a bit of an emotional pull in this story. And it felt, pr- pretty much felt identical to Inception with the child at the end. You know, you're like, um, but apart from, oh, are they still in a dream? But do you know mm. what I mean? Like, you see the child at the end with the uh, with 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 her, and you're like, oh, that gives you a bit of, oh, it's nice that. But... Yeah, that felt really, like, shoehorned. It felt for me, overall, like, the film for me felt... It kind of felt like a a, gay, a Christopher Nolan game of Bookaroo. <laughs> and I know that sounds ridiculous, <laughs> but hear me out. So it kind of felt like we were, we were tacking things on or balancing things on with elements of the story, mm-hmm. trying not for the whole thing to collapse. Do you know what I mean? So, none of the ideas in Tenet 
any different. Nolan's tried to introduce elements of it before, so he's obviously he, he's obviously sitting on these these obsessions and theories that he has with time, and he's tried to squash it all together in Tenet, and it just feels it just feels like the payoff doesn't quite work. Yeah, I think the premise for Tenet will have said right. Um, I want imagine a film where I can have a character who is going reverse in time, but he's to him he's going forwards, but the world is going backwards, and he can interact with with he can interact with 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 that world, and I think that's where the the basis of the plot came from. So, um, but that's Nolan for you. He loves his time. And, you know, like with um, Memento, so that film, that's a great film because at the end of it, you go, ah, the whole film of Memento is about the guy with short-term memory and the way the film's being created, you feel like you've got short-term memory, not because you can't remember things, but because just the way he, the way it's shot and the way the story's being told and the way it's all being felt folded mm. out, it's got that, ah, okay, that those moments. So it makes you feel like how that character feels and that's really clever how they did that. Mm. That's who that uses time. Um, he doesn't use time in The Prestige, he just uses a lot of confusion in The Prestige. We'll skip over that one. The Batman trilogy that doesn't touch time, thank God. Um, but he's definitely used some elements, he's definitely used some elements from the Batman trilogy because... Obviously, in in the Dark Knight Rises, you've got the element of n- nuclear threat. Yeah. So he's he's gone on that concept again. He does quite like high tech. Yeah, he, he does like he does he does high concept things he for does sure. Like stylized high tech, and he he likes that. But then he also has these sci-fi ideas, and I, I think that was really I don't know I think that fell flat for me as well. The whole red and blue thing. Yeah, that did, but I th- they only did that to say to the audience, "This is what's going on." Yeah, it felt a bit cheap, though. It felt a bit mm. like it, it. It felt like I'm doing this in paint by numbers for you. I don't know. As I said, you know, Inception. You, you once you get the concept and you can see it, then that's a great film, and you can feel the, you know, the end of the day. What are the stakes in in Inception? They're not the end of the world. It's like for a, it's like a business transaction, isn't it? It's like literally, it's it's like putting an idea in someone's head. That's literally it. So, but the stakes in that film and the tension in that film to me felt a lot higher than uh, than Tenet and in Interstellar. Again, with time, you understood it because it's like this amount of time has passed because the the way they explained it, you go, ah, okay, I can get that. But when you start going, like, as he's done with this, and he's clearly gone, like, you know, as you say, Dunkirk, once you, when you first watch Dunkirk, it it doesn't, it just says, like, day one, and you're like, what? And then it's like an hour, you're like, what? Uh, a week. And then you realise that all those stories are, like, being intertwined in a really, like, mm. clever way. And that's when you go, oh, that's really cool, I like that. Um, and he's tried to do something... That's what I'd take my hat off to him for. He's tried to do something different on um, on Tenet. And it's hard to say if he's pulled it off yet because it, it is a film that's going to demand repeated demand rewatching. And that's why the studio love it because people will go back and watch it and watch it. Jordan, would you recommend Tenet? Yes, I think. 
this might be a little bit bloated in places. Slightly self-indulgent. And there's, there's there's a few bits in it that are unnecessary, but I'll let you make your own minds upon that. But yeah, I definitely recommend it. There was two kids in the cinema while I was watching this, and I thought, I don't think this is appropriate for two kids. Like they were, must have been about eleven that, or something. Yeah, the twelve the twelve A rating for me is baffling. There is some quite graphic domestic violence in it. Not only that, just the actual, it's just the tension. And I saw the prologue just before the rise of Skywalker and there was families like walking out because the prologue opened to this film. It's so tense. It's so loud. And I thought that's a real bad call by um, the studios allowing this to get played before a Star Wars movie. I understand why they did it, but I can also understand why, you know, it's definitely not... And when I say it's not suitable for children, I just think children will get bored. The two kids behind me were bored because they kept bloody leading forwards on the chair, kicking mine. I was about to go and ten at them into the uh, into the future or into yeah, the past. I mean, it, it just seems it, it seems really really strange that as it's a twelve A, kids can't. I mean, obviously the kids by definition that they can just waltz up into the cinema and go and watch something and there was a there was like a dad and lad watching it mm. and i must have, I, I, I must admit like it it definitely felt like it was shot to be a 15 i mean there was all sorts there was torture domestic abuse some quite graphic death scenes it was hinted at there wasn't it like it was yeah. it was violent but we never saw any blood apart from we saw just, like I, scars but it was violent I think it, yeah. I think that's just. I think it's a bit of a conundrum. Intense. Yeah. So, what did you think of the score by Ludwig Gorasson, who's an Icelandic composer? There were elements where it had me bouncing in my seat. I think that was just the bass. <laughs> and it was boss, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. It, Do you know what like, else he's done? Go on. He's the composer of The Mandalorian. That (laughs) (laughs) yeah, just exactly like that. Yeah, I mean, is he is he part of the the next wave of great composers? Probably. He's actually Swedish as well. He did Black Panther. He did the score to Black Panther. Yeah. Now you've said that, you can definitely tell he's tried to go for the Hans Zimmer style because he's working with Nolan, and Mm. obviously Nolan's work is kind of personified by Hans Zimmer's scores Dark Knight, absolutely incredible Interstellar, incredible Inception, incredible <laughs> Dunkirk, incredible so like Hans has had a good run with him I mean I know you weren't a fan that was one of the first complaints you had was the score wasn't great um, it was just sort of it was it was forgettable do it on Spotify it'll probably have one or two select tracks but I probably won't listen to the whole thing through because it is just very high tension. Like the track at the end, I I was like, I'm staying in my seat because I think I might pass out if I walk out to this. Jesus, yeah. it was so like, like so loud. And you know, I I'm not afraid of techno. You know, I I like that type yeah. of music, but music felt a bit of an afterthought on this film. It, it did feel like that. It just felt like let's get it bassy when there's action going on, but when there's not action going on, let's just have a whole lot of tone. Mm. But and the tone wasn't particularly pleasant to listen to. Dunkirk was shepherd tone, wasn't it? Which was the if you read into shepherd tone, it's like having a constant balance. Mm. 
Yeah, it's constantly like rising. And that's what he wanted to do with that film as well. Like he wanted to put this musical theory structure into the film. So literally that film, the tension is always rising. And, you know, I I think he did pull Mm -hmm. that off. I'd say if you're debating on going to the cinema now that they are opening up and there's other movies coming out, maybe go and see this before Bill and Ted. Also, I just sort of like to get into a little bit more. When you hear people say on these interviews that they do for movies, you've never seen anything like this. This is all new. This literally is you've never seen anything like this. We've seen we've seen time travel movies before, like Terminator, when someone comes back to stop something happening in the future and your head can get around that. Or like the Back to the Future 2 when we have someone going back into the same, like they go back in time, they see themselves. Oh, you know what I mean? Like we've had that, but we've mm. never had anything quite like this. Yesterday, when we walked out of the cinema, I would have said, I'm not watching this again because I'm confused and I don't like being confused. However, now that it is settled in, and I do this a lot, you know I do this a lot. I'll either walk out of cinema and be like, that was the best film ever. And then the next day I'm like, that was dog shit. Um, Or the other way around. This time I'm letting it, I'm letting it cook. I'm letting it simmer. Um, I do need to see it again because I am a Nolan fanboy, as people would say. It's definitely not his best film. And I don't think I'll ever say it's his best film. I don't think I'll ever get to that point. Um, But... I would recommend this because it is a spectacle. It is a good way to go back to the cinema and watch something that you have never seen before that is original. It doesn't feel like 150 minutes or however long it is. It's a a lovely switch off from the real world. It really is. And the best thing about it, View Cinema have finally got rid of the heart attack intro. Thank the Lord. You know that? Yeah, now Sorry. they've got now they've got John Boyega. I love, I, I love that advert. That advert brilliant. It was it was quality that advert. Yeah, so next will be Bill and Ted's face the music. Uh, which I'm dreading because I don't like having my childhood messed with. No. I think the next thing so Cine Critters and we're just gonna talk to you the audience now. Cine Critters is not going to be just new movies. We're going to be talking about movies we've not seen for a while. We're going to be doing rewatches of great movies or forgotten classics. Um, we're going to be talking about Hollywood and cinema as a whole. We're gonna, we are going to do an absolute deep dive on Star Wars, which I know you're all looking forward to. Ugh. Because we have a lot to say about the Disney, uh, the Disney era of Star Wars. We're not talking about the prequels. We're not talking about Episode oh, Four, no, Five, I and co- Six. I could cover all bases. We're gonna, we're gonna cover what happened. You know what the um, what were they called? The people who said the world was going to end in 2012. The Mayans. What were they called? Mayans, 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 Mayans. The, the, the Mayans predicted the world would end in 2012. That was a good film. Do you remember that one? Said no, whatever. Twenty twelve was when Disney bought Star Wars. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.